Leighton, welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron, your number one source for theories, news and discussion, and interviews from the books and the films like me, Rupert Grint. I play Ron Weasley in the Harry Potter films. And now your host, John and Sue. Doing the best we can week two without Melvin. It's Pottercast 125. Woo! Hey! Hey, everyone. It's Sue. What's going on? And John. It is Sue. And me. John. John Dawlish. That's right. Mr. Cannon. Here with another installment of Pottercast, Buck 25. That'll, that'll buy you a Coke at my school, I think. Yeah, it is. That's terrible. I remember when it used to be a quarter, man. Oh. <laughs> you don't remember when it used to I be a quarter. I do, too. I am way old, and it used to be a quarter. Susie. It's true. It's true. Inflation. It's all Fudge's fault. I blame him. It's the government. Everybody's <laughs> always blaming Fudge. <laughs> But uh, anyway, we've got an interesting show this week, because this one is all about the fandom, and it's the first of a series of What's Up, Fandom? What's up? And um, we are talking about the conventions, amongst other things, well, mostly the fan conventions, Yay. namely um, Portis, happening in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Right, Sue? Yes, it is, in July. And, and then in August, it's Terminus! Sweet! Terminus! Terminist happening in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have the organizers from both of those events on. We have an interview with them. But before we go any further than that, we have to hear from our awesome friends at Borders. Hey! Haven't read Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows yet? Don't worry, Borders is here to help. Pick up your copy of this summer smash hit soon. You won't be able to hide from the spoilers forever. You can count on Borders to have it in stock and ready to take home tonight, along with the audiobook version. Even if you've read the book, the Harry Potter fun doesn't have to end yet. Visit BordersMedia.com or click on the Borders banner at the top of the Pottercast page to find out more. Awesome. Yeah. I love the Borders. I love okay. Borders. I was just there, actually. You know what? I was looking for toys. Snape. <laughs> really? I thought you had all the Snape toys well, you Well, I can't find Kung Fu Snake. P is gone AWOL. He's missing. Someone kidnapped him. No way! Yes. When did this happen? It's just been recent. I don't know where he's at. He's gone. Thinking, oh, no. I know, something nefarious has happened to him. Oh, no. Poor Kung Fu Snape. He's like a he's like a celebrity now on YouTube. I'll find him. I'll find him. As if he wasn't already one. <laughs> oh, oh, Snape. Golly. Snape, let's think. We can see all about Snape, though. You know, with big news of the week. You know what happened, John? I don't know anything about it happened because I am not up on my Snape news. Well, it's not about Snape, but we get to see Snape and Harry and Ron and Grop and everybody because <laughs> in the UK, the people have now are lucky to receive Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix DVD, although we in the United States have to wait. I know. What's the deal? I One guess we, we predicted wrong that they would change their minds. And wrong. One more month ago. Not till December. I a whole month? No. I'm going to fly over to London before I wait a month. I mean, it, okay, this is hysterical because this is what the big news is. On the DVD, if you put your DVD on the on the extras, if you buy the two disc thing, I believe, um, there is a link that it takes you to a special site and you get to see a Half-Blood Prince sneak peek. Two clips. Whoa. Two clips. Clips of what? Anybody get to see that? I, like, 
Was there any chance it went, like, illegally on YouTube? I literally timed it, and it literally took less than three hours for fans to have that up on YouTube. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. I timed it. I'm like, okay, here we go. And it was less than three hours. It was awesome. But, oh, they're building the whole orphanage. A huge. We, they saw, there's an interview with Stuart Craig on it. And this is a spoiler, Stuart so if you want to wait until you get it in December. Well, yeah. Okay, stop listening. But Stuart Craig, our friend Stuart Craig, production designer, and you can see he shows the sketches, and they they built like they built a street in London on the back lot there at Houston, and they're building this huge yeah. or- orphanage. I mean, goodness sakes! Was- it, they they said that it was based on a building that they found, and I had to look at this this concept art quite a few times because at first I thought it was like this huge like university almost, but yeah. apparently it's just a building at the end mm-hmm. of the row here is the orphanage. Oh, and, I see. Uh, the rest of it on the sides is like the London streets or whatever. England. I, I guess there's other cities than London well, over there. But yeah, but it just... I always say London. It really did strike me as like, you know, like a very Dickens. You know, I love Charles Dickens. Yeah. So that kind of like, you know, and... But the thought that the fact is that they're spending this enormous amount of money building this set. Mm-hmm. I thought was really cool that they're going to put some serious time into that scene because obviously that's so crucial. But I was like, totally, ah. it's a, it's a, going to be an extremely awesome scene, and I just wish we could actually figure out who's going to be starring in that scene other than yeah. Mr. Gannon Dumbledore. Yeah, we, we don't know. They still haven't bothered to announce who is playing young Voldemort. Although we did get casting announcements on who is going to be Lavender Brown. Yes. Yes, her name is... That was pretty huge. It was pretty huge. Her name is Jessie Cave, and she's 20 years old. She's an older woman. Look at Ron. Look at Roop. I know. And we... Oh, Roop. Roop will be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. that guy. And we also heard that Helen McCrory has been cast as Narcissa Malfoy. Why does that name sound familiar? Why does it sound familiar? Hmm. Deja vu all over again. Wait. Wasn't she originally cast as Molly Weasley? No. She was cast at Narcissa's sister... Bellatrix, but she had to drop out because she was pregnant. Remember that? Oh, geez. Yeah. I I guess it's coming back to me. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, instead of casting somebody new, because, I mean, there have been a lot of names bandied about, they went back and they said, okay, well, you can't do Bellatrix. How about play your sister? <laughs> they, had, <laughs> they had her in a folder. They had, so. She was in, in the, the maybe folder maybe. for uh, potential actresses. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously now. I mean, come on. Well, I'm sure she'll do great. I think so. She's a very accomplished actress, you have to say. I mean, she is, but and she'll be fine. But I just thought, you know, that was just kind of funny. But, you know, so at least so now we know we have pinned down that Narcissa is going to be there and Lavender. And on the other glimpses that we saw on the Half-Blood Prince scene, we also saw the cave. We saw Dumbledore in the cave. Really? Yeah, he was there. It was real quick, wasn't it? Yes, it was real quick. He was there. And then we also saw that that member on our, because our readers had sent in the reports from the Laycock filming. When, and when it's about mm-hmm. and Dumbledore's, um, what's that, a glove? Did you see it with this green hand? I must have missed it. There was a real quick shot of of Dumbledore, and he like holds his hand up like he's grabbing his beard or something. The actor Michael Gambon, and he's stroking his beard. And you can mm-hmm. see it's a green, it looks like a glove, more like a... Cool. Yeah, and I was like, wow. But you knew, That'll be cool. I think so. But And oh, we also, in the other sneak peek, we saw Juan uh, Juan's keeper uniform. So Quidditch is back, baby! Woohoo! <laughs> And they've upped the equipment or something. Yes. They've got more padding on these guys now. It'll be more physical. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the other sneak peek was an interview with the costume designer who's been with them for a long time. And she was talking about yeah. how she's like styled them up a little bit. And they showed the shot of 
Ron's uniform and Harry's uniform. So, and they have like, he's got like, helmet. Cool. yeah. And then the, the Slytherins have a new, um, you know, kind of stylish look, but then, you know, that's pretty <laughs> They get to wear silk for their sporting <laughs> yeah. events because they're just that fancy. <laughs> <laughs> they nothing but the best for those, those Death Eater wannabes, you know, there you go. Totally. <laughs> got to work totally. it. <laughs> Gosh, was there anything else going on here cool in the news? Um, yeah, well, speaking of Michael Gambon, I just want to say that he is um, camping it up because I can't. I just, I just, Uh-oh. I I have to say this because I know that every time we mention this, but. Is Dumbledore still gay? <laughs> he still is. Oh, go figure. <laughs> and he's doing knitting and he's having a good time with it. And uh, David Yates said that he, Michael Gambon is a wonderful, or he was speaking about Dumbledore, actually. He said he's a wonderful character, Dumbledore, graceful, wise, powerful, quirky. Perfect sense of humor, loves knitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. I just think it's—I just find it quite ironic and quite amusing yeah. that here we are after how many films with Gambon, where he doesn't give a rat's duds about uh, the books yeah. and how Dumbledore's written in the books. It's just you know he just reads a script and yeah. goes home, doesn't watch the film, and be done with it. Yeah. But now, oh, suddenly, <laughs> new information, Dumbledore's gay, and he's dancing around the sets and telling jokes. I know. And... You know, it's like, okay, you know, but I mean, <laughs> Mr. Yates goes on and says, you know, there's a jumble. The sexuality is just another thing, which is great. That's what we want. Mm-hmm. But then the more alarming note to me was a quote from producer David Barron, who said that Dumbledore would remain the character Michael Gambon has already established. Oh, so thank <laughs> oh. God. <laughs> I would not want any discontinuity, <laughs> you know, by him suddenly getting clued in, but whatever. Oh, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. But then, you know, those, those of us are kind of like alarmed that, how dare you, Harry? Take away my knitting. You know, I can just see him. I don't know. <laughs> Shaking Harry about his knitting pattern. <laughs> I don't know. Crazy. Well, I, I will refer everybody back to episode 124 when we um, the fans in on how to accept Gambin and the five stages of that was awesome. Gambin's performance. Yes. You just have to just work through it, people. Work through it. You know, yes. this is funny. Oh, so, okay, so they had the DVD release in, in London, and it was a big thing, and now we saw a whole bunch of new interviews, and among the little things that we've learned that um, Imelda Staunton one, is hoping to return as Umbridge for Deathly Hallows, which I think is... I would hope so. She was... You watch her again on these clips, and you just get your... Yeah. You know, one of the things that you get on the DVD is a deleted scene, and we... And, of course, those are already made out onto YouTube, too. I mean, within just boom. Oh, jeez. There's a big surprise. And, uh, Come on, people. And you can actually see there's an extended um, version, um, extended cut of her in the forest when she takes the, you know... Hmm. And it's quite chilling, I actually thought. I actually... And I wish they had kept that whole scene. I thought it could have worked and just really, really got the level of her just yeah. oh is there really only two deleted scenes well no there's there's 10 but oh okay good i was gonna say because what's abc family gonna run if yeah. there's not an extended version <laughs> of this thing? but i watch those all the time when they're on with it they put them back in i mean the other day they had chamber of secrets on with all the deleted i scenes. know when are they gonna put those to dvd <sighs> oh, from your lips my, to my Lo- ruddy vhs tape is getting worn the heck out i know cause... i know so much better. It's so much better, especially Chambers with Secrets. It's, it's so much better. It's a fuller experience. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you can pre-order now the DVD for those of us that have to wait <laughs> more yes. weeks till Warner Brothers decides. Okay, Americans, the largest. I'm sure the there's world. a reason for it that is just you know way over our heads. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's over my head because I can't. It makes no sense to me. But. Yeah. Uh, well. You know. <laughs> 
There are worse things in the world, I suppose. There are. There are. Oh, one more thing. Our friend Matt Lewis, he's an assistant director on Order of the Phoenix. I did not know. What? I know. I know. That's what he said. Good for him. I know. Isn't that cool? I just think, you know. We have to work on getting another interview with him I, then. I think so. We can say, hey, Matt, give us a scoop. Let's... I, have to pick, I have to pick up the Matt phone. Yeah, Matt phone. <laughs> Is that how it goes? It doesn't go like, you know. Doesn't... He throws the fat suit off, <laughs> fixes his hair. Dashes down to the studio. Gets off his. I hope. Oh, I hope he has good news for us about his hair in this new movie. I just don't hope it because he just let the poor kid, like (laughs) you know, not have to wear a fat suit to school every day. I know. I know. I mean, it's hard enough to be Neville. I know. Oh, you know, one more thing. I have to say this. Luna Lovegood. I love her, and her jewelry now is from Noble Collection. On it's they make these beautiful um prop replicas and. There's there's the radish earrings and I'm just all excited about that. That's sweet. And and one of her rings. And her rings and the butterbeer um necklace. Now what is the deal with that ring? What is that thing? Do you know what it is? She likes to make the beaded jewelry. Those earrings aren't the only things that she's designed and you know, she has a whole slew of things that she wears so cool. on a regular basis and it's cool stuff. And uh, they let her wear the ring in the movie. Yeah. And um, I guess they really took a liking to it too, yeah. And um, put it up on the Noble Collection. That's that's awesome. I know that's all, that is number one on my wish list. I'm telling you that right now. That even leaped ahead the Marauders map. I just I'm like I saw that. That's I was like, cool. Oh, oh um, I also want to just remind people too that Joe wrote that uh, tale of the Beetle of the Bard, which all proceeds are going to charity. Sure. The catalog is available now, and you can order it from Sotheby's on online, and it's um, a 48 page. Um, it has images and it has excerpts of the text. So people are complaining, oh, we're never going to hear the new canon from Joe. Well, I think if you buy this catalog, you're going to get some of what she's selling in the charity auction. And all the proceeds from the catalog sale go to charity, too. Good awesome. Time. Yeah, very good. And awesome. I think the rest of the week I has think? been pretty quiet, right, John? <laughs> well, I think that's a hell of a lot to be happening for our lull between uh, yeah. everything else. Yeah, I so. Think so. We have a interesting week of interviews and a big old mailbag this week as Yay, well. Yay, Kristen! Woo-hoo! And uh, Special K will be back, and we're taking your questions about what's going on with our crazy fandom today. All right, let's move on here now with our first interview with Becky from HPF talking to us about Porter's Convention. So we're back again with another interview at our uh, Fandom Week here at Podcast, and uh, we are talking with Becky from the uh, HPAF conferences, specifically this year, the Portis Conference. Yes. Hi, Becky. Hi. Thank you uh, very much for coming on with us. Uh, we have uh, some questions for you, and uh, I'm sure um, the fans are all getting quite curious about uh, what's in store for them for uh, Potter conventions this year. So, um, just tell us a little bit about um, what we can expect out of uh, out of Portis this year. Portis is going to be absolutely fantastic. It's going to be um, July 10th to the 13th in mm-hmm. Dallas, Texas. We have a great central location, so um, 
Harry Potter fans from all over the country and the world can come and join us. Um, we are going to be having a mix that is commonly found in HPE app events, a good mix of formal and informal programming. We have, um, for example, our Friday keynote luncheon with Dr. Henry Jenkins. Um, yes. He will be um, addressing issues related to the close of canon and how the fans react. Um, we also will have the traditional um, informal activities like movies and Quidditch. We're bringing back water Quidditch, like what we had in Luma. Oh, that was fun. Oh, yeah. Very popular. Yeah, John played that. That was funny. <laughs> we, we got a lot of positive comments on it. We're very excited that we're able to do it again, um, especially with the Dallas weather. It'll be nice and refreshing to be in the water. <laughs> I bet. And we will also have one evening of indoor Quidditch where we'll be using a ballroom. So for those people who do not want to get their feet wet, they oh, can play inside instead. That, is, that sounds cool. Oh, it's going to be great. Your events are extremely well organized, I must say. <laughs> they just have a lot of things going on. I mean, that just seems to me, I mean, how far in advance do you start working on planning all these things? I mean, do you start like the the day that it end, that last one ends? Or, I mean, I don't know. It just seems a lot of work. Well, from event to event, we usually have different members of, on the planning committee. Um, mm-hmm. Most events start off about two years ahead of time, just from conception, wow. formulating a staff and a theme, and um, selecting a location. And then as we start getting closer, we um, look for feedback from prior events to see you know, what we want to keep, what we want to get rid of, what really worked. And um, one of the really most helpful bits of information we get are the surveys that our attendees yeah. fill out at the end of each event. And we're able to take their criticism and put, um, learn something from it. And so the next each event just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. yeah you were actually just um, touching on my next question is uh, what sort of things um, – well, will be different about uh, this year's convention for you guys um, compared to uh, the previous ones. What what things are you are you bringing back? What things are you are you letting go that might not have worked as well? And and uh, what what what'll make this one stand out for fans? Well, formal programming wise, we're moving away from the luncheon panel and back to a keynote speaker. Um, we will be announcing our Saturday keynote speaker very shortly, probably within the next week or two. Okay. Like I said, Dr. Henry Jenkins is going to be in on Friday, and we'll have one individual, again, um, speaking at the Saturday event. Um, Other new activities is we are having some afternoon tea on both Friday and Saturday. This is a brand new event. We're basically looking to provide our attendees with just some quiet time to sit down with their friends, um, enjoy a bit of food and some conversation without the pressure of rushing from place to place. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's definitely one thing that from uh, my limited uh, fan convention uh, experiences, but uh, the fans that, that do go are you know are not always looking for the same thing as 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 the other fans. Some people are real interested in you know going to the uh, the formal programming, the lectures, and some people are real, real interested in the Quidditch and the games. And some people are just looking to see their friends. And it sounds like from what you've said so far that uh, there's going to be definitely a whole lot of chances to do all all, all of those things. Yeah, so one person, you know, who comes can do one or the other, even get a mix of both. Another new thing that we're doing this year, or rather expanding, is the common room. Um, Our common room is going to be terrific. We have a great deal of space. Mm -hmm. We're going to continue some of the common room with rock performances, um, as well as big readings, um, as well as being able to provide, you know, a relaxing space where attendees can meet up and just get together. And, you know, that's what these events are all about. Right. I I have to say... um, 
we attended um, Prophecy, and I, the common room was a lot of fun for me just to go, just not just to hear the music, but to, I actually got a chance to meet a lot of new people that I hadn't met before. And I really appreciate that. And it wasn't so, you know, like I was trying to dash to another presentation because there were so many good ones, but it was just nice to be able to go have a spot to go and just like you said, hang out. So I'm, I'm cool. I'm glad to hear that you're having these teas because that sounds like a lot of fun too. Are they... So to just schedule time for people to just like stop and sit down and talk is that what what these teas are? That's basically it. It's a chance to relax. It you know, yeah. so many people have problems finding a time to just sit down and eat too, and it provides another opportunity to get that you know to get a bite and just relax rather than you know, you know conferences in general tend to be a little bit on the manic side. You know, you're running from place yeah. to place, you don't sleep. Yeah. So it's, it's something that's a little bit quieter, a little bit more subdued, but still can be enjoyed by our guests just with conversation. I, I just was curious, you know, because uh, Prophecy was right, you know, right after the book Deathly Hallows had come out. And we were still kind of just reeling from all this new things and everything that happened. It was very emotional time. And now, I mean, how do you think, though, Portis will be this year now that we've had a little bit of time to absorb all of that? I mean, do you think it'll be still as emotional now that we've had like closure or i mean do you think it'll be i don't know what i mean what how what are your outlooks on on portis the feeling there well i you know i don't really think that we've had closure at this point because we're yeah. still experiencing these books as fans um it, yeah. it doesn't end until the day that we stop participating and as long True. as there's people participating um there's always new stuff to go and explore um yeah. now it will be different i think you know enough time will have passed that we have digested what happened and especially since jk rowling keeps um coming out with comments we'll have more more things to discuss <laughs> and take apart and um uh, it's it's a going to be a great opportunity to look critically at the novels and also at the fandom itself and how it's changed. Yeah. You know, that's a really good point you brought up that the fandom still is ongoing. I think that there's been a lot of concern. Well, now the book's out, everything's going to end. I mean, that was like people like, well, what are you going to do now that your Harry Potter's done? And I'm like, oh, it's not done. You know, and that's one thing you try to do at these at these conferences is showcase the different ways, the different creative outlets that our fans have, right? I mean, well, I mean, you can look at things like Star Trek fandom. You know, the show yeah. ended after three years, but it it continued on yeah. and on and on and on. And you know, I I expect the Harry Potter fandom to be continuing on in the same way for the years to come. Yeah, definitely. Well, I wanted to step back a, a few years, actually, if I could, because uh, a lot of our fans, uh, a lot of the fandom lately has has been um, very curious about how a lot of the inner workings of uh, of fandom organizations go and uh, what sort of relationships they have with um, the powers of be and mm-hmm. how 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 it is that they are able to do the things that they're able to do as you guys have been doing these conventions since 2001 2002 2003 was, Nimbus. 2003. It was, it was the first HPEF event yeah and what what was um if you if you recall what was the the goal or who what I'm just I'm just trying to um, get a little bit of of a history here of of what was it that that uh, had had you guys decide well maybe there maybe there could be a a desire for uh, a fan convention like this and what and what was what was your mission at that point versus what your your goal for conventions this year and years to come could be. Well, um, I actually came into it um, 
with Nimbus, um, I found the event through um, Harry Potter for Grownups, that the Yahoo <laughs> group. Um, I was not really around for the forming of a group, but from what I've been told, um, it started out as the desire to have a meetup. You know, a large group of people were communicating um, in depth online, and they wanted to get together to share their love, to um, to continue what they were doing um, online, actually in person. Mm-hmm. That's kind of we ha- how we had the, the beginning of Nimbus. Now, I, I didn't really find fandom until after Nimbus. Um, I went as a lurker. I was very quiet and speak with very many people. Um, yeah. And I was um, ended up kind of getting um, talking with my roommate um, who suggested, well, maybe we should put in a bid for an event, which eventually became Lumos. And so I've basically been involved ever since then. Um, I think the goals were basically the same. We want to have a forum for um, both in-depth study and um, discussion of these novels that have meant so much to all of us. Yeah. Definitely. Is there, um, was, was there ever any sort of um, guidelines or re- requirements of, of you guys to be allowed to have such a convention like this? Are there any sorts of things that need to be in your programming or aren't allowed to be present at, at, at these conventions or, or anything like that? Or you guys pretty much have, have, free reign for these things. Well, our, our ultimate goal is to maintain a positive relationship with mm-hmm. um, both Warner Brothers and the Christopher Little Agency. And, you know, we try to work within the framework that they've set for us. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of in a crossroads right now. Um, the landscape of um, what, you know, being right. fans is changing, and it remains to be seen, you know, how things will change in the next couple of years. Okay. Yeah. But you, but you've had. I mean, you have academic program. You, we do learn it, but you also have the embracement of the fan art and the fan fiction and the movies and the you know videos and different. I mean, so and and they don't really frown on that. I mean, right? They just that you have all these different facets of a fandom in present at your conferences, right? They're all elements of creative expression. You know, we're seeing um, greater variety of the way that people are expressing themselves and mm-hmm. um, the way that they show their love for this universe that J.K. Rowling has created. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now we have Wizard Rock. Um, we have, um, you know, fan fiction has been around for a long, long time. Yeah. We have greater exploration of that. Well, that's what I like about these things. I mean, because there's a lot of friends that I have made recently that are not involved in Harry Potter and they're thinking, why on earth would you have these things? And if I show up, will I be bored? And I think think the answer is no. Is that right? Would you agree with that? <laughs> I would completely agree about it. I mean, just the atmosphere, the environment that's created by um, th- these events, it's just so joyful. And, you know, you see people running towards each other to give um, hugs and, you know, people who see each other maybe once a year or this may be their only time, depending on how time how far they travel. So you, it, yeah. it's wonderful to see the relationships, um, the friendships um, that have been formed um, just from the interaction of these events. It's terrific. You know, that's so true. I remember because I just had such a great time at Lumos. I can't even, I just had a fabulous time. And I just, I mean, you got to wear your costumes. You could run around. I ran around my Hufflepuff thing the whole time. And I was <laughs> like in heaven, you know, and I just think that we have this kind of outlet that we can all come together and express these, these uh, conferences are just the, the perfect place for it. And you can meet people and uh, that I have met there that I have stayed in touch with. And I look forward to going to these events every year. And I just think, you know, thank goodness y'all have these. These are just wonderful. Oh, I'm glad you think so. For um, for the Harry Potter fan who has never been to a convention, what do they need to know now about how to sign up? Um, what what will it cost them? Um, how old do they need to be? 
you know, is it is it for them? How, how big of a Harry Potter fan do they need to be? Can, can can you give us a rundown on those kind of details? I think any level of fan will be very happy with what um, they um, see, especially at Portis. Um, the minimum age for um, attendance is 14. Individuals between 14 and 17 need to come either with a parent or guardian or a chaperone. Um, mm-hmm. Chaperones need to be at least 21, and we will have information up on our website on what paperwork needs to be filled out for that. The event is basically what you make it. If you choose to go to the informal event, um, go to the Wizard Rock concert, um, go spend time in the common room, you can make it be that. If you'd like to go and have a purely academic conference experience, we can provide that as well. Um, You will definitely see... Hundreds and, th- hundreds and thousands of smiling faces yeah. <laughs> around you. It's just, it's infectious. It is so terrific to be um, in the presence of so many like souls. Yeah. Excellent. And what, what was that website for you guys this year? It's www.portis2008.org. Okay. And, and registration is open, is that correct? You, you can registration go. is open. Um, the event registration is currently $200. It mm-hmm. covers um, the welcoming and leading seats, all formal and informal programming. And it also gives you the opportunity to purchase um, extra ticket events like the keynote luncheons, the teas, um, the ball. Um, oh, yeah, the balls. Those are always a great time. <laughs> the ball is going to be lots of fun. It's Saturday night. It's basically, you know, the last night that we're all there, um, people get dressed up in costume. They wear their formal wear. It is just an absolute blast. Excellent. Very good. Very good. That is great. Sounds cool. Um, there is uh, one, one more thing I did, I did want to bring up. Um, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, I understand that you guys have already been planning for future conferences. Oh, and that yes. there may be one in particular <laughs> that could uh, be of uh, interest to uh, a lot of uh, um a lot of um roller coaster hmm. enthusiasts and you theme think? park enthusiasts and- <laughs> well first of all um in 2009 we have um level 2 which will take place in San Jose um but in 2010 um we will have um Infinitus which is going to take place at the Universal Resort in Orlando Florida now, why would you pick such a place to have a convention? I got some cool rides there. Oh, Spider Man's fun. Maybe <laughs> oh no, something about a theme park or. Oh. <laughs> It is going to be so awesome. I'll just say it right now. I mean, that theme park and having a convention at the same time will just be woohoo, way cool. It will be terrific. It will be terrific. Now, um, the hotel is the Royal Pacific in Orlando. They will be taking um, reservations starting, I have a date here, um, November 20th. Um, you can call wow, 866-360-7395 to get in that day to make your room reservations. Oh, way cool. Because you know what? People are going to jump on that like immediately because people are so excited about that theme park and going for this thing. I mean, I can't yeah. even... Everywhere people have asked me about this, so this is great, great news. That's wonderful. And and the, the other great thing too is that these Universal people are very excited to bring the fans in too. Oh, they are they are terrific. I went on a site visit this past weekend um, to go check out the hotel and meet with the Universal representative. And they are just they are so thrilled to have us. It's just it's going to be and it's going to be terrific. Yeah, awesome. and um, the uh, the theme park. And uh, and that sort of thing will be uh, a topic of an upcoming podcast, an upcoming mm-hmm. uh, "What's Up with the Fandom" um, themed podcast, all about uh, all about the theme park and just uh, what we know and uh, what we're waiting to find out and just 
how excited everybody is connected to this theme park. Universal, the fans, just it's it's going to be awesome. And I'm I'm sure this uh, uh, Infinitist is going to be the first of many, many, many oh, gatherings <laughs> for Harry Potter fans. So, and uh, you guys are certainly well equipped to kick it off. Awesome. So, yeah, very much looking forward to all that. Sorry. Yes. Well, thank you, Becky. This has been really, I just, I love conventions. And I think, I know it's a lot of work putting all these events together. And just, we appreciate you coming on and tell us about it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, Sue, so I guess we have a couple interviews tonight. Yes, we do. Some exciting people. Nice guests are coming up, and we got somebody really cool next, I think. Awesome, yes. Yeah, so well, we got, uh, we have, we're talking about conventions this yes. week, amongst other things. And we have with us Amy from Terminus, amongst uh, other uh, conventions, Phoenix Rising. I know a lot of you guys uh, went down there, and uh, Terminus is coming up this year as well. Yeah. So it's uh, welcome, Sue, and uh, everybody out there, podcast land. Amy. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi, Amy. Woohoo. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing awesome. Doing awesome. We're surviving here without Melissa, who I guess, as this, as a recording moment right now, is uh, um, overseas on a little scavenger <sighs> hunt of sorts. Yeah, sort of. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to muddle through. <laughs> We're trying. We're doing, doing what we can. We wanted to have you, uh, you on to talk about um, what there is for a Potter fan to be doing this year and what better mm. thing for fans to get involved with than uh, a place where they can all come together and hang out and enjoy Harry Potter at a convention. And you are one of the um, operators for the, for the Terminus convention. Is that correct? I am. I am. I am in. I'm one of the lead event organizers for Terminus, and I'm also the CEO of Mary Conferences. Oh, excellent! Excellent. Awesome. So, what what can you tell us um, about? Uh, <laughs> I'll be very broad, but uh, <laughs> what say. is the first thing you would like to tell us about uh, about what uh, fans could be looking forward to for for Terminus this year? Our goal with Terminus is to put together a five-day event, actually six days, if you add our, our optional rock concert on the beginning, yes, yes. that really focuses on the community that has grown around Harry Potter. Um, mostly the fan community, but we also welcome the academic community, the professionals that use Harry Potter in their classrooms and in their businesses. And we really want to bring everyone in from the four corners of the world to be a Harry Potter community for one weekend in Chicago. That's fabulous. We should point out that Terminus is, is being held in Chicago, Illinois, on August August 7th through the 11th. Is that right, Amy? Through, yes. It is, and, at the Hilton Chicago Hotel right on Michigan Avenue. Oh, yes, awesome. Excellent. Oh, it, it is beautiful. If you've not been there, I cannot recommend Chicago enough. It is a fabulous city. And I mean, I, I, I was kind of curious why you chose Chicago to set like a Harry Potter. I mean, what you kinda, why would you think that? I mean, you know. I have been waiting to do a conference in Chicago since 2003. Um, I started planning the witching hour in 2003. Awesome. I grew up in West Michigan, so I grew up doing weekend trips to Chicago. And yeah. it's always been such a fantastic, exciting, friendly, community-minded town that I really wanted to use that as a basis for bringing Harry Potter fans in 
for a community event. Thank you. Yeah. Interesting. How long have you been uh, at at the Harry Potter conventions then? When was the, when was the first one? Since 2002. 2002. <laughs> it's kind of taken over my life. I was <laughs> no. legal counsel for Nimbus way back in 2002. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. And then I've helmed three Harry Potter conferences since then, including Terminus. Yeah. We should point out that we were down at Phoenix Rising, which you helped run to, and in the fabulous city of New Orleans, which was fabulous, just wonderful. And I, I, those are extraordinary. If you've never been to a Harry Potter convention, these are amazing, amazing events. There is always something going on. I mean, at literally at every hour, pretty much, there's... Amazing we do. We thing. keep you busy. <laughs> and you think, well, what is it that a fan can do at a Harry Potter conference? Can you give us a little thing of like what you have going on? Absolutely. We try to build conferences that each attendee can kind of make an individual experience out of because our demographic is, is so different. You know, an academic might want to come in and do just an academic conference. A professional might want to come in and do professional development opportunities. You might have a fan who wants to do nothing but games and play Quidditch and play the Quest and things like that all weekend. You might have someone who comes in for the podcast or someone who comes in for the Wizard Rock. But we also give such a variety of experience that people can try a lot of new things. You know, you can try a new podcast or you can attend a few panels and see what you like. Interesting. Yeah. So is this is this pretty much geared for like really hardcore Harry Potter fans, or is this would would this be enjoyable for people who you know aren't necessarily into um, you know real intense on the on the online fandom? Like if they were just tagging along sure, with sure. with somebody who was definitely both. And and I think the way that it differs a little bit is we tend to see more hardcore online Harry Potter fandomers participate more. You know, you'll see them playing Wizard Rock or you'll see them presenting or reading their fan fiction. And when casual fans come in, they come in generally to try the experience and to see what it's like and to talk about Harry with this wealth of community that they didn't yeah. even know was out there. So we, we've had both attend our conferences and both have really enjoyed it, sometimes for very different reasons. Interesting. I, I think it's, it's really wonderful. I mean, I remember going to my first one. I really wasn't sure what to expect but i i mean i was not only impressed with the the quality and level of some of your present you know the presenters you know i mean some of these papers that people present are just really well thought out they're very articulate and they're in depth and you can think wow that seems really you know like going to school but it's not and then you can also take it in a light fun more casual you have like round tables and you can just sit and talk you can talk about snape you can i mean lord knows you can talk about snape forever but um <laughs> you know but, yeah <laughs> But I mean, I just was kind of curious though. I mean, so you have this different, this range of things, but how I, now that we have Deathly Hallows, does that change the way you're going to present the conference or, I mean, how does that it affect? It doesn't really. Um, although we are encouraging a lot of our presenters to, to consider looking at a closed canon topic. You know, how does it change? You know, yeah. how J.K. Rowling relates to the fandom. How does it change how you read the text? That sort of thing. But aside from that, I mean, this is meant to be an exploration of Harry. And even though we know what Harry's, how Harry's journey ends, we don't know how all of our journeys with Harry end. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So Mine's not the beat ending. Goes on. <laughs> yeah, it does, babe. It sure does. Rock okay, everyone break into. Just, you know, and, and a, a lot of our promotionals say, yeah. you know, one yeah. series, a million journeys, continue the adventure, because that's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Isn't that you think it's a perfect way, though? We were talking about the fandom, this 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 podcast, and there's been such a an emotional. I mean, our our fandom is just kind of like going whoa right now. But uh, you know, I mean, I just think these conferences are ideal to have fans come together, and you get to meet new people from around, literally around the world, right? I you mean, do. well, and I have to tell you, I, I got so clumped when I was writing the website because Terminus uh, very much is about you know Harry's journey is over, but we can still enjoy our journey with Harry. And I was just going, I can't make this maudlin. I want to cry. <laughs> but we still yeah. get to, to journey with Harry, even though he's done. Yeah. How did you come across the, the, uh, the name Terminus for this one? Because it's the end of a journey. It's the end of Harry's journey, but it's also the end of each of our attendees' journeys to come to Chicago for the event. Okay. Very cool. You know, I, and full disclosure, I have to be honest, I'm going to be participating very heavily at Terminus. Oh, and we're wild. so excited. <laughs> Not that I didn't squee like about it, like mad on the show before, but okay. I'm just like, okay. But you know what, 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 what really, really attracted me to this, this I'm one, first of all, thank you. I just an extraordinary honor and I'm just overwhelmed by it, but is that the, this conference and on all the conferences this year seem really trying really, really hard to try and embrace the fandom and bring in, all different kinds of, of, you know, we have the fan arts, there's the, you know, the fan fiction writers, there's all kinds of different things that are going on in, in, in addition to the academic programming. And that's what really, it, like you said, they're coming from four corners of the earth, they're four different of the fa- four corners of the fandom too. And I just think that's really cool. Like, so you mentioned something like a wizard rock thing. What, what, what is that? We are doing a 12-hour, 25-band Wizard Rock Festival Jeez, the oh. day before the conference. <laughs> Woo! That's awesome. That is intense. So that's something that is is uh, some sort of additional registration to the conference? It and- is. It's an additional $20 for attendees. And if we don't sell out tickets to attendees, we'll make them available to the public. Okay. But um, we wanted, we really wanted to feature Wizard Rock, and it's it's hard to feature Wizard Rock during the conference because everybody gets so excited about Wizard Rock. Yeah. And we thought about doing it the day before, so we could really focus our efforts on Wizard Rock, so everybody could pay attention to Wizard Rock. Mm-hmm. And I used to be involved in the music industry, and and once you you've got three bands involved. It's not that much harder to get 25 bands involved. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you got almost everything set up. So here we are with an optional sixth day of Wizard Rock. That is so, that is, that'll be really cool. It's so fun because, like, you know, I, I, I'm older, I admit it. But, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, I love, like, you know... Maybe because my babysitter when I was growing up was like uh, into the Woodstock kind of era. You know, she's from there. But I love to go to those all-day events. And they're probably a lot more common than they are in the U.K. than they are over here. But the Paloozas. And so I thought this whole idea of having a one-day Wizard Rock concert was just like a dream come true. I mean, you got Harry Potter and rock and roll. I mean, bring it on. And it's fantastic. (laughs) Well, the Wizard Rock community has been amazing. They've been so supportive of what we want to do. And they're so excited to be involved on this level. 
But that's what's so great about our fandom is that we're constantly evolving. We're bringing these new things. It doesn't say that Wizard Rock is more important than, say, Felking or the fan art or, you know, the videos or anything. I mean, that's what's so great about that is our diversity. I really believe that is our strength as opposed to our differences. I know that sounds cliche, but that's what I... I, Well, fandom is so creative. And that's why we we picked an entire night of our conference. And this is the the podcasting track night, actually, because we consider podcasting a fabulous fandom creativity project, but we we're devoting an entire night of our conference to fandom creativity because it's important. It's important to us and it's important to the fandom. Oh yeah. That, um, Hmm. Podcasting. Oh, I like that. <laughs> what do you think about podcast? Yeah, they're not too bad, that? I guess. I mean, if that's your thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, aside from this huge, uh, day of Wizard Rock. What else would people who uh, said previously attended Phoenix Rising? What uh, is there any, anything going to be new this time around? Anything that uh, any new ideas you've had, or or things you're abandoning from the previous conventions, or what, what what's going to make this one different? I think fandom participation actually is going to make this one different. I, I think that Phoenix Rising, in a lot of ways, for us was a testing ground, and people were kind of coming out to see how we would do how our conference would work out and that sort of thing. And I think this time they're not as reluctant to participate. I think we've got a lot of people really excited about submitting programming or participating in the gallery or playing Quidditch. That, for us, is what really turns a good conference into a great conference. Because, you know, I'm a lawyer. You know, I can present on legal topics. (laughs) But I don't write fan fiction. I don't play Wizard Rock. I don't draw fan art. You know, I'll go down and I'll rough quit it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's only so much that our staff can put together. But we've had such a fantastic outpouring of support from the fandom this time that I really think the participation is going to be extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And that makes an extraordinary concert for everyone else. I, I'm just so excited to, uh, that this year to be getting to all these things because so many of my friends right now, uh, a lot of them that I've become closer friends with through going to these conventions... Um, you know, they're just so excited to see each other again. And that's one of the greatest things about these conventions is that, you know, it gives gives people a reason to come together and it gives them so much mm-hmm. to do at, at these things. And the, the other cool thing about it is, is that, uh, you know, we, we, we've gotten some emails before and we tend to get them fairly regularly from people yeah. who are Harry Potter fans. And, you know, their friends, you know, around around home don't, always get it they don't they don't, like why harry potter why are you so crazy about all this yeah. and it's, it's hard for them don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so when we have a convention everybody can get together and they can be themselves and they can be harry potter fans and not be embarrassed about it and the mm-hmm. and the conventions welcome everybody absolutely absolutely the, the whole point of this for us is is to bring everybody together as a community and celebrate the books that brought us all together in the first place right. excellent so um, there's there's one more thing I, I did I did want to bring up. I, there has been word um, from um, other other places, other sources, other other shows that um, for for whatever reason your your convention perhaps is not uh, is only interested in a particular kind of Harry Potter fan, or um, you know is is not interested in some sort of Harry Potter fans. Is is there? It, it seemed a little off to me because I remember Phoenix Rising, and I, I'm, I'm aware of the rules for registrants needing to be of a certain age or otherwise have a chaperone. <laughs> Can you clarify any of this stuff for us? 
Sure, absolutely. I think that there's been some misinterpretation out there. And, and certainly we have age restrictions like every other Harry Potter conference that I know of yeah. has mm-hmm. certain age restrictions or focuses on a certain demographic like families. Right. Um, you have to be 14 in order to attend it all, and that's based on federal regulations that limit online communications with people under 13. Right. So if you're, you have to be 14 to come to the conference, by the time we start communicating with you, it's usually a pretty good shot that you're already 13. Mm-hmm. We also require people between 14 and 17 to have a chaperone. And that's, again, for legal requirements because you're not legally an adult until you're 18. You can't enter into a contract. You can't reserve a room in a hotel, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. But aside from the age restrictions, we definitely welcome all sorts of attendees. And not only do we welcome all sorts of attendees, we encourage all sorts of attendees to participate. One of our most popular presenters at Phoenix Rising was 16. And she brought in this amazing presentation about the Hogwarts castle and everybody thought she was fantastic. So unlike a lot of conferences, we don't have educational requirements for presenters. You don't need to be a well-known fanfic writer in order to submit your fanfic. You don't have to be an athlete to play Quidditch. (laughs) I don't know how many of us are athletes. (laughs) (laughs) We, uh, We really welcome participation on any level and we welcome all types of attendees, as long as you meet the age requirements. Yeah, because that and that age thing, you know, that you're right. That that is for pretty much every conference that that I've ever heard of. The mm-hmm. only thing I was a never lot of clear. them, you have to be 18. Oh, that's, to even attend. I think yeah, I think there was one over the summer out in England that you needed to be mm-hmm. needed 18 straight. Yeah, um, and, and generally that's for legal reasons. Sometimes that's that's also for educational reasons. This really is a conference designed. It's basically a weekend of Harry Potter College, <laughs> and we want you know, to make sure that our attendees are ready for a weekend of Harry Potter College and all that college comes with. Sure, uh, you know, uh, on the same there token, there will be bars at this conference. Yeah, well, totally. But you know, also like, like you said, there is you know a plethora of other activities for people to, to to get into. And, and you know, and, and for high school students, it's really something that the student and their parent or their guardian needs to discuss. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, we had a 16-year-old presenter who was phenomenal. I know a 16-year-old who comes to these conferences with a friend who's over 21 that her parents have met, totally fine. I've also talked to parents who have come to these conferences and right. said, you know, I had a great time, but my 14-year-old isn't ready for this. You know, so, so really for us, when you're 14 to 17, it's really an individual decision for you and your parents. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I think you're right about that. I mean, it's not it's not a, a blanket statement against you know against young younger people because certainly you know there there is so much you could get out of coming to these things where right, you know right. if, you, if you think about it on your own you know this is as as much of it is an an, an educational thing. It's a chance to to uh, to meet new Harry Potter friends and to make new Harry Potter memories and to do all sorts of fun things. So, you know, everybody should should definitely check it out and your your websites and, all, and I've never seen a convention website that didn't cover pretty much everything that was going to be there. So there's no excuse not to know what Right. We're well, pretty verbose. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's really well done. It's easy enough. It's terminus2008.org if you're looking for it. And uh, registration is open, right, Amy? Is it it open is right open. Now? Yes. It is open. At the moment, it's $160. Okay. That covers all five days of the conference, including our arrival dinner, our departure breakfast, our Bon Voyage ball, 
coal mine yards except the keynote presentations, our Quidditch tournament, our trivia tournament, and the rock concert. And those all have individual additional costs, mm-hmm. like a meal or a T-shirt. So we have to charge a little bit more for those. Great. And then, and then you, your uh, your hotel room cost is sure. obviously a part of you know. Yep, the hotel room cost it's one hundred and sixty nine dollars a night for up to four people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be surprised if you can find something cheaper within walking distance because we got a great rate at the hotel. Right. Um, my understanding is the rack rate is about double that. Oh gosh. It is. I was going to say when I first heard about where you were holding it, I'm like, oh man, okay, that's easily three hundred bucks a night. You know. Fantastic hotel. It's when gorgeous. I was in oh. Chicago after law school or during law school, they yeah. put us up in that sort of hotel. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, I, I used to go all the time for um, holiday shopping, and I would just go there, and it's just it's gorgeous. You love but it. It's, love it's it. right there on Michigan Avenue. It's right across yes. from Grant Park. You can see Lake Michigan from the windows. Awesome. Awesome. Squee. Sorry. I'm just excited. It's it's okay, Sue. I do that too. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) good. See, I'm not alone. Yay. See, John. See. That's awesome. I think that is about all the time we have for the moment. Thank you guys so much. You know, and I, I hope that we see a lot of your listeners there next year because we're really excited about it. I do too. I mean, there's so much time for our, our fandom, and this is another way for, your, for our fans to come together. Like you said, see old friends, and uh, these are these events yeah, are just for, wonderful. For us, this is just as much a celebration of the fandom for us as it is yeah. the celebration of the book. Rock on! I love that. Yes. Good <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on with us, Amy. Well, thank you guys. This has been fantastic. Thanks, Amy. Oh, Miles here. Bit early for Miles, isn't it? What time? I never get mail. Let's open it. Mail the mail's here. Mail oh, great. Thanks. Mailbag, mailbag, mailbag time. Here we are. It's the mailbag. Bag. With Special K. <laughs> Hello, all. Yay! She is here. She is there. And she's here today for mailbag time. I think I have strep throat, though, so I it's sound so kind of weird. Do I? Good. Normal special K to me. Fabulous. Fantastic. All righty. Well, we asked you guys to send us some voicemails that we can chat about them, and I signed on Skype and noticed that there was 176 that have yet to be listened to, and we didn't want to sit through them (laughs) for very long. Tonight, we picked about, uh, I don't know, eight or nine here, and we have some emails to go through, too. Awesome. So let's play the first one here, and it is... This is from Jeff. Hi, Pottercast. This is Jeff, or Jeff HP, fan from the Leaky Lounge. Pretty frequently on the show, you guys have talked about how perhaps Michael Gambon really does play the character well after Deathly Hallows came out, because he seemed really angry. But really, do you believe this? seems to me that when Dumbledore was talking to Snape in the manner he was, he was only speaking in that way because of the fact that Snape did not know of the entire plan of Harry's search for the Horcrux. In the chapter of King's Cross, Dumbledore continues to be a kind and wise figure in Harry's life. I just wanted to share my thoughts on this, and the fact that my perspective has not changed on him since Deathly Hallows was published. Thanks, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. My thought on this, for those of you who haven't listened to everything I've ever said in my life, is that I always figured, even before Deathly Hallows, that everybody who assigns Dumbledore this grandfatherly, cute little old man twinkle in his eye you know, were setting themselves up for something because somebody has to pull the strings to lead 
the opposition to somebody as manipulative as Voldemort. And it's got to be, you know, the White Wizard here to, to be the one to do it. And I figure all along that he wasn't interfering with Harry's danger in the early books because he was training this poor kid and seeing what he was capable of doing and getting him ready to face more difficult trials. And uh, we see that Dumbledore really come out in Deathly Hollows when he's talking to Snape and he's doing his ringleader act. You know, I, I think that he's still a cool, interesting character. I just um, I just don't think he's just a sweet little old man at all. All good thoughts. I think you're absolutely right. I think he was doing what he thought he needed to do. Mm-hmm. While his actions may not have always been heroic, I think his overall mm-hmm. his goal was he he was trying to save the world. Yeah, yeah. You know, and all through the books, there are things that he just won't let Harry know, and he won't let other people know. Mm-hmm. And I think he he had to do that. So yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it did change my opinion overall, even though there were moments where I did a lot of name calling as I was reading the last <laughs> book. Yeah. You know, actually, for me, going back, I've started rereading the series, and I found him to be a much more sympathetic character after I've, I know this now, and I understand the true enormity of the pressures on him. Yeah. And maybe it's because I'm just kind of a wimpy kind of person, but I just kind of understood that the greater good and someone has to make that horrible, crappy call because it had to be done. And that is the worst thing of all when you're in a position in a no-win situation Essentially, almost. I mean, you have to do these unthinkable things. But so I just find it become more sympathetic, actually. It's just. Well, Sue, you're not wimpy. For the record, everyone, Sue has a gigantic heart. So I think that she recognizes how difficult all of that had to have been for Dumbledore. I haven't had a chance to reread. How far are you into it? I'm now starting Chamber of Secrets. This will be the, actually the second time I've read the book. Woohoo! Oh, wow. You've only read okay. Chamber of Secrets once previously? It's true. I only read it once. We're going to get emails about that So I know. I'm okay. I should admit these things, but you know. <laughs> I won't tell everybody how many times I've read the books. <laughs> well, you know. I think that so has are to you include Dustin listening to it? Uh, uh, no, I have not listened to the disc yet, so no. So I know. Shame. John, do you know how many times you've read it? Um, I think I've read every one at least two, and I've listened to them all at least once. Some of them I've read more than once. Some of chapters I've read lots of times because they're awesome, like Dumbledore versus Voldemort and or the Oh Phoenix. yeah, I've read, I read that one out loud once. I felt like a total dork, but it was fun. <laughs> Nobody was in the room. I hope the whole you read a whole book out loud. Or I just read a that chapter? chapter out loud. Well, I love reading out loud. I have no problem with that. that oh, I did too. Well, I'm not reading. To, I mean, if I was reading to somebody like my nephew, then that absolutely. But I was in my room and I was getting into it. John, I'll, I'll get you a little teddy bear friend that you hey, can. Hey, I've got stuffed animals, thanks. <laughs> and you can read to them and just pretend, you know. Yeah. Or we can always send Muchka down there, and I'm sure she'd love to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I said read, not shriek in terror. <laughs> Yeah, what were you doing to this cat? I understand Melissa's cat's terrified of you. Yeah, no, that's probably vice versa there. <laughs> I need to carry around, you know, protection in the form of a squirt bottle. Yeah, so you know what I think? What's that? I think that Mooka could kick Dalek's ass. I'm sorry, Dalek's. No, you didn't even Dalek. get a single one of those words right. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's how wrong that statement was. But you know what? I totally think that Dolish could get pwned by a cat, too. Especially her cat, because you know that cat is fierce, let me tell you. She could kick a Dalek's ass and Dalish's ass. Who is Dalek? That's, you're thinking garlic. Everyone out there who watches Doctor Who, raise your hand right now. Okay, here we are. On radio. See podcast. all those hands? No, I don't. <laughs> it's audio. No drat. No visuals. You know, I think that we have to play our next one, which is highly appropriate to our current conversation. Hi, Pottercast. This is Ashley, also known as Sasset, on the board. I have a very important question, and this has to go to John. So, since Dollish was pwned by Mrs. Longbottom in book seven, if Dollish and Grubbly Plank uh, had to battle one another, who do you think would win? Just curious. Anyway, thanks, guys, and sorry you were out last week, but hopefully it'll be a great show next week. Talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> I think this is the most obvious question anyone's oh, ever asked. Uh-huh. Of hmm. course he would beat beat uh, magical creatures carrying Grubbly Plank. As cool as her name is, that uh-huh. does not endow her with or comparable abilities. Just because she's got a cool name and because she can take care of magical creatures. If it was like a creature battle like Pokemon and they wanted to, you know, call upon <laughs> their most treasured magical creatures, I would presume Grubbly Plank has more in her arsenal. But dueling wizard duels and don't even get me started on the fairness of the situations that Dollish and Mrs. Longbottom fought. Okay, well, here is a sprightly woman who smokes a pipe and wears a monocle. Sure. She would kick his butt. Because well, she dresses goofy, she's more powerful? I do think, I think she just takes no prisoners. That woman would, does not take any prisoners. She's a female she- Mad-Eye Moody. I have to concur with Stu. I mean, if they ask us who win Dollish in a flubber worm, you guys would say that friggin' flubber worm just to piss No, I mean, I think he could take care of, like, you know, spineless kind of creatures. He could be- defeat them, but, you know, Ma- yeah. I'm just saying. Magical invertebrates are fine for Dollish. She is a professor. Dude, and- those flubber worms can roll pretty All right. fast. <laughs> who do we have next here? Hey, Pottercast. This is Ashley, also known as Chocolate is Not for Breakfast on the Lounge. I just wanted to call in and say that After the book has come out, I've ignored everything that J.K. Rowling has said about all of the characters. Um, I I think that they're literary characters, and if she is going to write a book saying things that they have done in their futures, then I will totally pay attention to it. But if she's going to be sitting on, you know, being interviewed and then say, oh, yes, this happened to this person, and then this happened to this person— I'm not going to pay attention to that. I mean, these are literary characters. They are they are made through these books, and that's how they're real to me. They're not real by her saying that things about them are true. It's by context of them being in the story that makes it true to me. So hearing Dumbledore is gay, it just it means nothing to me because it could have been true in the book anyway. I've heard people say it before because, you know, there were those Grindledore pics right after the book. And even though I didn't believe it, you know, it's it was something that I considered. Now I have to think it I have to sit there and believe it. And I can't come up with my own my own reality for what the extra pieces of the puzzle are in the books. Because there's nothing that's going to be added literary wise to the piece all that can be added comes from me and comes from my own imagination of who neville marries or who 
everybody gets together with in the end. And I think she's really starting to take away from that. And I don't like it at all. So that's just what I wanted to say and what I wanted to add to my thoughts about the fandom. So thanks a lot. I hope you guys are having a great day. Well, first of all, I have to own up to something. I've read very few transcripts and I've listened to very few discussions on what she's talked about. Mm-hmm. And it really, it's not at all been because of lack of interest. I've just had a very busy last month or so. Mm-hmm. so. So that said, I was talking to some friends about it. And one actually, Joe's revelations have actually kind of diminished her enjoyment of the book. She said right after the, the series finished, she wanted to jump onto forums and discuss it. And pretty soon she got to the point where everything she would say, someone would respond with, well, clearly you didn't listen to what Joe said at such and such event on such and such date and what you think is wrong. And she, you know, she feels like what we need to know should be in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she had a good point. I don't know. What about you guys? How, how are you? Do you know everything Joe has said about every character? Where are you? It's a very tricky thing. I mean, I've tried to stay up on it, but yeah, I mean, I think there's just as much crazy little-known facts that are actually in the books, too, that can be used to argue points that most people skim over. Yeah. But, you know, again, it is at least in the book at that point, and it's not on a transcript on a website, and it's not like you had to be right. there at that book signing. So it's, Right, it's exactly. Because we love the people that are fans, like, on that obsessive level where they mm-hmm. need to know middle names of grandparents and this and that. You know, they'll eat up everything she will say, but I could see where it would be frustrating for people who just want to argue things about the books and have debates and not be in the know, because regardless of how many times they've read the book, they have not seen every single transcript that she's Exactly, yeah. Now, you know, on the flip side, it, it fills my fangirl little heart with glee to hear some things. You know, it's like, oh, that's what happened to that character. I mean, on the other side, I think a lot of it's pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm not really adamantly one way or another, but I I really do understand people wanting to ignore what she's saying. Yeah. Sue, what do you think? Well, the fact that Cho has gone to marry a muggle doesn't take away from what she ended up, you know, stepping up to the plate or more importantly, that a Hufflepuff now runs Leaky Cauldron doesn't make it any less more fun about Neville or Hannah. Slip that right in. (laughs) That's right. Uh, I have said this many times on the show. I am a Lord of the Rings fan and I have craved all those background knowledge and it did not take away from me to the story itself of what happened to Frodo and Aragorn and and just, um, I don't care that I mean, I love finding out the, what the whole family, the history of the elves were of Elrond and all those guys. I, that's fabulous, but it didn't take away from that story to me. So, and those were things that I learned in later books that Tolkien later wrote, and those didn't really yeah. diminish. I think there's a difference. Well, yeah, and, but... I, no, I'm not talking about the books, though, like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference in between talking about somebody's future... Yeah. Versus going back and talking about something that was happening parallel to the stuff that was in the actual books. And I think that the only thing mm-hmm. that she actually did with that is the Dumbledore gay announcement. Because then you can go back and argue and, you know, reevaluate motivations and things. But 
Oh, no, I honestly, I actually don't think that changed anything, the story myself. I agree. I mean, it hasn't for me. I mean, I know some people are saying like, oh, well, that's why he was so soft on Grindelwald and this and that. He had a great love for Grindelwald, and I don't think it matters whether that was platonic or romantic. Right. Um, You know, and actually, this is, (laughs) speaking of Lord, someone had written in expressing disappointment about her, um, her revelation about Dumbledore. And had said, can you imagine Tolkien writing Gandalf as gay? And my response was, I said, well, statistically, it's, it's probably unlikely. However, there's nothing in there really to me to suggest his sexuality one way or another. So certainly conceivably I could see that. And his response was, well, you don't know anything about Tolkien. And, um, you know, he was very... Um, about his um, about his belief system, and I responded, and I said, "Yeah, you're right. I really don't. But should I have to know that to read the books?" Exactly. And I think that's getting. You know, this is something. Yeah. Do we have to, what Joe thought about all these characters to read the books and take them for what they are? And I, I say absolutely not. Well, no, it's just a matter of where you're discussing this stuff, and with yeah. who, and what your goal in that conversation is. And like I said, the differences between the kind of revelation she's making, most of them are in the future, years past, you know, the, when the canon stopped, or, you know, maybe before the epilogue. What are they getting so upset about that they can't enjoy conversation about, other than what so-and-so ended up doing with their life? You know, we've had some people write in recently and say, did I hear this about this character? And my response has been, you know, gosh, I don't know, I really... I've I've listened to a few things that she has said, um, and I I certainly respect her. I I think she's had all this inside her for so long. She's just kind of bursting to let it go. Sure. And a lot of people love it, and more power to them. They should enjoy it. Yeah. But there's a lot of people like, wow, I have no idea. You know, you'll have to Google that, or I mean, search the leaky, see what you can find. I mean, it's just a matter of being nice about it, you people out here. You know, no one likes a snooty Harry Potter fan that's going to brag about something. So if you do get into it with somebody or mention something that they have not heard because they haven't heard that chat or whatever, you know, don't be a you know, jerk about it. Just be like, oh, you know, she actually did elaborate on this. And the other person, I would imagine if it's not done in a snooty way, they'd be like, oh, really? That's cool. Where can I hear about yeah. this? Because if they're having a chat about it at that point, they're probably at that obsession level where they would be interested in what Joe says Mm -hmm. if they're presented with that information. But no one likes to feel like they're, you know, in the know. Certainly, It just makes me sad, though, that people say, well, these books are ruined. I don't I I would hope they would not let this other knowledge take away from because then when the moment you went and you first read that Dumbledore was killed. And and the terrible feeling you felt. Why is that taken away from you now? Because you've learned about yeah, this. exactly. Or why why was that joy taken away from you when Harry first won? You know, with his snitch. You know, it, just all these things that he did not become a great Quidditch player after that. I mean, why is that just taken away from you? I don't. Those moments should remain singular in that moment and, and those are for yours forever they're in your head they're those moments are yours that's what my friend did is she just mm-hmm. kind of backed away and to give it some time to settle down because the fact of it is even though we're hearing a lot of things now at some point this is going to die down and we'll be left with these people would be left with these great books on their shelf yeah, yeah. and it's it's not really going to be so fr- such front page news you know what Joe said about Neville or Draco or really, you know, anyone else. 
it'll yeah. just we'll just be left with the books. Yeah. The same way with you know Tolkien. I I haven't read the Silmarillion. Did I say that right? I think yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't studied him as a writer, but I sure enjoyed the hell out of the Lord of the Rings books. Yeah. yeah. Book. Excuse me. Novel. It's one novel. It's hard. There's three parts, but there's yeah. Three parts, <laughs> one novel. I mean, I'm enough of a geek to know that. <laughs> I'm not. Um, but you know. I also wonder, though, how much of the anger is actually spurred on by those who did not have their stories come true or their the way the story that they were hoping to happen come true in Deathly Hallows. And how much is that has colored some of the perceptions, the anger right now? That seems like a different uh-huh. kind of anger, though. It seems like they're it- being angry at being teased at not being as big a fan as somebody else. Oh. Well, that's I, what, that's I what I'm interpreting it anyway. Yeah, but, you know, that brings up a whole nother... Yeah, I guess kind of me. I remember discussions from long ago where people got really nasty. And it's stuff like, I have two degrees in English, and so therefore I know what I'm talking about. And, you know, these characters, well, blah, blah, blah. And it, you, yeah. you find yourself getting really pissed off over yeah. this theoretical discussion. So, yeah, that's a good point, Sue. Let's hop on to another one we got to want to get through. Hey, guys, my name is Zena. Well, you guys always ask us if you have any fun stories about the fandom. Well, you guys tell us like 10 every week, but I was just wondering if there was a particular story that really marked you in this whole thing. I would be very happy to know about it. Thanks a lot, guys. Keep on the good work. Oh, of course we have stories. Lord, we've mm. been here for how many years? Oh, I have lots of stories. <laughs> Let's hear one of your stories. So I think I know where this is going. Uh, let's talk about the glories of the great house of Hufflepuff, shall we? Oh, we knew it was going there. Okay, my first joint, you know, really big outing in the fandom was at the first convention I went to was Lumos. I did not get to go to Witching Hour, and I was very disappointed by that, but going to Lumos was an extraordinary thing, and I got to be part of something known as a Hufflepuff Parade. It's the beginning of the thing, and not only did I get that, but I got to be at the back with them. It was like a little place of honor. I was escorted by Cedric Diggory. <laughs> I mean, let me tell you what. It was terrifying. We, I squeed at Death Eaters who tried to attack our happy little parade and cast evil upon our joy, and I squeed and they ran away. And that is a lesson that joy and happiness will always overcome the darkness. So there. <laughs> oh, waffle puff. It was awesome. We had these like pom-pom things. They were like, they were um, yellow and black or, you know, happy colors. Yeah. Puff colors. And, and we were just wore them around our necks. And my two friends <clears throat> that I had hoped that would be there to help share and bask in this glory. And where was Mr. John Noe? Where was he? Probably taking a nap. You were taking a nap. It's not there. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You know, you would think if there's a Hufflepuff parade, everybody would think that John would be right there to take it all in as well. But It was awesome because people were like lined up because here we were just like whooping and hollering because, you know, we Hufflepuffs know how to have a good time. And we're just woo down the hallway through. And of course, we're in Vegas. So, you know, they're used to that noise. And, and there we are just going down and going through the hotel and all the fans gathered around and it was just, and then we did the huff, 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 Woo! I love that cheering thing. It was great. Poor stuttering I got to Hufflepuffs. Cheer. I was, I, you know what? 
Hufflepuffs are a happy, supportive bunch, you know? Yeah. So it is natural that my house do cheers. So that is one of my all-time favorite fan moments, fan stories, that the Hufflepuffs got to have a parade. Yeah. We, we were not sitting at the sidelines as the parade. Yes. Yes, indeed. I think a lot of the best fan stories happen at these fan oh, conventions. Brilliant. That's when you get them all together. The only other times you can get them all together, or at least some of them together, are premieres and book launches. And uh, when you have them together for as long as you do over like a weekend-long convention or something, then mm-hmm. you're going to find some crazy stuff. Kristen, did you go to Witching Hour? No, I wasn't able to. I had a friend getting married that weekend. I hear oh. it was a lot of fun, though. And I lo- That was Salem, right? It was. I would have oh, liked love there. Salem. Love that area. Mm-hmm. I think it's just so cool. But you got to go to Phoenix Rising, right? Phoenix Rising was fantastic. I had that a great was time. Cool. It was it was oh yeah. It was wonderful to be in New Orleans too. What a great city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did that meet your expectations and seeing so many fans together and just Yeah, you know, it was, it was a little bit weird because before then most of my air quote fan experiences, air quote, had been, you know, either either meeting great people that I discuss things with online or um, <laughs> once at work, I when I was um, editing more on Leaky, someone, someone I'd used to work with sent an email and said, oh my God, I, are you the person at such and such workplace? And was a total fan and we worked together and had no idea. So, wow. Kind cool. of a weird, surreal moment. But um, to see that many people in one place was just fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it totally met my expectation, and I would love to attend another one. Yeah, well. Are you guys both doing, uh, I guess, Terminus is going to yeah. be in July? Yes. Rocking the house, baby, at Papero House. Yeah, I mean, and there's several more coming up, yeah, too. Yeah, we have Portis um, coming up, too. Yes. In uh, Texas. And then there's Level 2, and and then, how do you say, Infinitus? Infinitus in 2010 for some unknown reason that something cool is going yeah, on there. Some kind of... And what's the one in Oxford, England? Oh, that's Occhio or Osseo. Osseo 2008. Yeah, that's right. And I, I would love to go over there. It's at Oxford University and Magdalen College. And oh, that'd be, that would be great. Oh, wasn't there supposed to be another convention alley too? Or is that still on? You know, I have not heard about that. I have been trying to find out information. So if there's someone... Um, that's involved with that. Could you please email us or because I would like to post it. We just don't know. So that would be. Yeah, cool. we haven't really received any no. emails on it, but to my knowledge, it's still going to take place. And that'll be in Canada, I think. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Like July or August next year. Yeah, our fandom. Baby's still chucking along. Go, go, go. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Got a lot of steam left yet. Yeah. That was the really dorky thing to say. Where did I get that from? <laughs> steam left. Oh, it's the end of the wrap-up. No. I can hear the drums already. <laughs> thanks, Special K. Thank you, Kristen. John, thanks, Sue. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. You guys take care. Bye-bye. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. And it's the end of the show. Oh, Lordy. No, I'm, I'm still reeling from the Dalish getting pwned by <laughs> Grubbly Plank and Flobberworms. You know, he will have his day. <laughs> I promise you. It was so awesome. I am highly confident in this fact. No, I mean, he people think that we're just... Day. You're nuts, but we actually do talk about this when we're not on Pottercast. And I, this I, is true. <laughs> that dude is going... I mean, it would be funny, though, to see Flobberworm take him on. <laughs> 
What's a flubber worm going to do? It could crawl up in his nose and <laughs> suffocate him to death in his sleep. You don't know, but it could be like they could magically, like someone could like magically, you know, like char- put a hex on it or something. And like, you know. Like engorge you a flubber worm and he could just smother him to death? I mean, would it be, it'd be a Death Eater total thing to do to like Imperio a, de- a flobber worm and like attack Dalish. It'd be like one of those like B-movies, like, you know, like the attack of the It'd be like Slimer and Ghostbusters. It would be awesome. <laughs> You gotta float around and drive a school bus. <laughs> well, what a fun uh, show this week. Yeah. Uh, hopefully all you guys enjoyed the interviews with the organizers of the two big fan conventions this year. Definitely encourage you all to check out their websites, mm-hmm. which will be in the show notes this week. And look into registering and attending um, either one or both of those conventions. See where your friends are going. See what's going on see in detail through their site if their programming is cool in your eyes and meets your interests and make your choices there but everybody is welcome any fans of harry potter will enjoy themselves here oh they're just they're wonderful like i said lumos was my first experience and i I have met people there that i i think i will be friends with for the rest of my life and it's it's just unbelievable absolutely Well, let's see. You know, next week is Thanksgiving, isn't it? It is. It's big turkey days for all of us people not in the yucks. That's right. Not in the yucks. Or anywhere else. Or anywhere else. But it's turkey day. Are you... Do you cook for that? Do I cook, Sue? Come on. Well, I mean, I don't know if your mom is like going to say, okay, I'll do the turkey. Oh, well, no. Normally, my my family would cook, but I'm spending the holiday with my special lady friend, Miss Bree, my girlfriend. In our family, I get to meet the folk and the grandparents and everybody else. Are, ha, are, so. have, you, have you warned them about your dollish obsession? You know, what do they get to be warned about that for? <laughs> I don't know. Do they know that you are you have, they're serving you a special burrito then? For No, I'm going to suck it up and eat like everybody else oh. and eat the turkey bird. You know, I love my love Thanksgiving Are you kidding me? I, I love Thanksgiving dinner, and I love after Thanksgiving day lunch. Yeah, it is. Isn't it best? The best turkey sandwiches ever, ever. I swear. It's true. Especially but I'll give everybody a tip. Uh-oh. Okay, let's hear it. If you're already going to have delicious turkey Uh-oh. and delicious dressing, delicious stuffing and cranberry sauce mm-hmm. and mashed potatoes, you put the potatoes in the sandwich. Oh! Do not ruin your sandwich by using crappy Wonder Bread or some nonsense. <laughs> Go to the bakery. <laughs> Get some fresh Italian bread and slice it up yourself. Mm-hmm. Give it a little toast in the oven. Put the bread, you put some cranberry, mm. and then you put the turkey. And then on top of the turkey, then layer mashed potatoes, if you make good mashed potatoes. <laughs> and on top of that, a little gravy, and then a little stuffing. And then you somehow manage to put the other piece of bread on and shut it up there good. And I swear... Thanksgiving and sandwich, and it's the bomb. Thanksgiving in a sandwich. There we go. And that's my public service announcement for leftover Thanksgiving food because it's not to be missed. And if you're going over to family's mm-hmm. houses and it's not your own house, be sure to try to sneak in some leftovers when like a like a paper plate or something and a Ziploc or Tupperware because you will be sad if you can't eat more the day, day later. Have you oh, ever yeah, done oh, that? Oh, you poor people in the archive feel terrible for you. Yeah. You should cook turkey that day anyway. Yeah, they should. You know. Why not? Yeah. Oh. Do they have a holiday comparable to Thanksgiving? No, I, I should know this, but I don't. I, I honestly don't. I'm sure now people... I love my English food, too. Oh, I do, too. It's a little different. Yeah. 
Anybody who introduces me to eating beans at breakfast wins my vote for <laughs> ingenuity at, at mealtime. That is my... Though I want to go over there and, like, spend, like, a month, and then I want to go spend, like, three months in Scotland, be, or, you know, because I love Scotland. I'm fascinated by it. It's all gorgeous out there. I can't can't wait to get out there someday. Someday, but, you know, but I don't know if they have that. I know that Canada has a Thanksgiving Day, but I don't know. So people of the UK, mm-hmm. please write us. I know that they had just a bonfire day when they burned some dude. I don't know his name. No, the guy Fox yeah, Day, isn't it? Yeah, him. Yeah. It's a, always remember the 12th of November. <laughs> Try to remember. <laughs> it's not the 12th. What is it? I don't know what it is. is it, it's the 5th or the 15th? It's the 5th, I think. The 5th. Hey, since it's Thanksgiving and then after that, you know what happens. It started this Christmas shopping season, the holiday shopping yeah. season for everybody. And it's just Black Friday. Yeah. And you know what you can buy instead of going out to the mall in the comfort of your home? You can click What's on that? And get help charity and get some great holiday music. Yeah. Buy jingle spells. Right. You know what you should not do on Black Friday? Do not buy any, any DVDs, any television shows from iTunes or anything else of that nature until those poor writers over there yeah. can finish their strike. Yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. And that's solely the views of this guy. And perhaps to it is me actually. Not necessarily I represent the views of the Leaky Cauldron. Nothing that. I mean, I understand that the studios have pressures too, but I, I really, I mean, obviously, I care a great deal yeah. about literacy and writing. So I'm and I four cents on the dollar. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And the internet. Look at us. Look at us podcasting. Yeah, I know. I just the want internet, to get them done. I want my shows back. The way Come of on, the is the out. way of media for the future. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll hop off our pedestals yes, here. Let's move along. Hey, I have and, to go uh, write down this recipe for do to you guys. Thanksgiving in a bun. What is it? Not in a bun. <laughs> I guess it would be good in a sub because you're going to be able to close it a little yeah, easier. It would be a little bit more compact because that mashed potato would like drip out. It would be all like slimy. No, 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 no. Like, if you have drippy, slimy mashed potatoes, then you need to be whacked across the face <sighs> because... Those are not mashed potatoes, darling. Those are those are instant. potatoes. Mine come in a box, and they're just fine. No, Susie, it's Thanksgiving Day. You need to boil your potatoes. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to get up at, like, 4 a.m. I've done that. What are you talking about, 4 a.m. potatoes? <laughs> but you have to get up to 4 a.m. to put the turkey it in. It takes a half hour to make potatoes. If you can spend all day on turkey. But you got to get up, and it's just so much work. I burned my pies, up. too. Pecan pies, and, and, of course, it might have been okay. too much bourbon in a box. I don't know. All right, guys and gals and ladies and friends, thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. And for those of you celebrating Thanksgiving here in the United States, may you have a very joyful have a happy, and happy time. time. Yes. Bye, everyone. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs> We've missed it. Toby is free. I confess myself disappointed. Now. If you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. (laughs) This week's Pottercast was produced by the Pottercast Trio and Steve Bonnet. The show was edited by Steed, Hildy, Samantha, and Liz. Thanks to our Scooby Five team, Aaron and Nina, and thanks, as always, to our awesome transcription elves for transcribing this and all our other episodes on Pottercast.com. For more information about the show and how to contact us and be a part of future episodes, visit Pottercast.com.